you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hey, everybody. Navy Federal has a mission to put members first by making their financial goals the priority. Visit NavyFederal.org for more information. Call 1-888-842-6328 or download the Navy Federal Credit Union app. Message and data rates may apply. Handoff to Crowell, and he will walk in for the touchdown. Here's a cutback for the touchdown for Crowell. And the crowd reacts <laughs> to the emergence of Baker Mayfield off the bench. Little trick play and a throw to Baker Mayfield to tie the game. Darnold airs it out. Downfield pass is picked. Browns are going to win. The Browns are going to win. The Browns did win. The Cleveland Browns wipe out a 14-0 deficit in the second quarter through the fourth and beat my New York Jets 21-17 to end one of the most infamous losing streaks in the history of American professional sports. A 21-17 win that moves the Browns to 1-1-1, and and they did it because Baker Mayfield enters this game late in the second quarter Tyrod Taylor completely ineffective and then suffers a head injury, opening the door for Mayfield, who plays really, really well. Makes you wonder uh, if if the injury to Tyrod Taylor, not only it, it bails out Hugh Jackson, who seemed to be slow on the trigger to get the kid in there in the first place, but are the Browns 3-0 and right now with Baker Mayfield? That's how good he looked in this game, but there's no, no reason tonight to play the what-if game. I think it's just uh, a celebration in Cleveland. The Bud Light coolers unlock. Uh, I drank bleach after the game. No, I won't drink bleach. But Mark Sessler, uh, one of my very best friends in the world, uh, feeling on top of the world, I'm sure. A really tough week for Mark, who had a uh, health scare this week and has been out of work all week and really needed the win. And he gets it. And Browns fans get it. So it's a 21-17 win uh, for the Browns. Mark is going to join me a little bit later because not only did the Browns win, uh, Mark 
absolutely nailed the greatest go-get-my-lunch prop of all time. Loose cannon. Were you tracking this? Yeah, we, we tweeted it out. Did you see it? I mean, this is insane. I gave, and we'll get to it when Mark gets here, but I gave Connie Fox a heads-up at halftime. I said, Connie, because Connie, of course, is hosting the Thursday Night Football coverage. Uh, I said, you got to be plugged in on this. And I, I hope, I hope, I hope that Mark gets some love after this game uh, on the NFL Network airwaves, but we'll see. Well, that, that will be a major referendum on whether. Yeah, um, we'll see her loyalty. We, yeah, well, her loyalty and whether this podcast continues at this company. Absolutely. I think absolutely. And we'll get to it because it's it, it's it's borderline Robert Stack unsolved mysteries freaky. Uh, what Mark predicted. But, yes, the Jets jumped out to a 14-zip lead. Uh, the Jets didn't play well by any stretch to get to that 14 lead. They got a blocked punt that they then uh, were able to get in on a, a short field. They had one nice drive the entire game in the second quarter uh, in which they marched down the field. A lot of runs down on the left side. Isaiah Crowell scored two touchdowns uh, after the second. One of, one of the more – I'm surprised Joe, uh, Joe Buck didn't faint – after Isaiah Correll's second touchdown celebration in which he mimicked uh, a, little, a little bit of toilet humor, we'll call it that. Yeah, it's a good way to. And then threw the football into the crowd in his return to Cleveland. But you know what? Isaiah Crowell ate crow at the end, uh, as did the Jets. And um, you got to give it up to Baker Mayfield. He's the star of the game. This is the story that Mayfield came in and he breathed life into this team, into this game, into this franchise. And all of a sudden, the Browns, you have to take the Browns seriously because this defense, it showed it for the third straight week, this defense balls out. And now if you have a young quarterback who can uh, make things happen, and, he, and Troy Aikman said it on the telecast, he kind of has that it factor in a wide-open AFC, especially in the lower half when you look at the wild card, and even the AFC North, I'm not going to get – I'm not going to go crazy here, but – the Browns are going to be able to hang with any team. So while, as a Jets fan, crushing loss because you're you're up 14-zip against the Browns, you think you're going to take care of it. But I will say this, and, and my Twitter feed is going to back me up on this. You're enjoying the game. You're loving the game. But you know the whole time, do not let Baker Mayfield enter this game. Hugh Jackson is keeping Tyrod Taylor in the game. Tyrod Taylor looked completely lost uh, before he suffered – uh, the the I don't know if he was it was ruled a concussion, but the head injury uh, could not make a throw. It wasn't all on him. The entire offense looked completely uh, out of whack. Uh, but Baker Mayfield then comes in and changes everything. So that's where we're at. And I will say this: Baker Mayfield uh, did it. Sam Darnold did not. Sam Darnold, uh, you know, I talked about it with the with the Chicago Bears and Mitch Trubisky. That week one, another kind of high-pressure primetime moment when Mitch Trubisky took the field after Aaron Rodgers put the Packers ahead of the Bears, and you could just see it that he wasn't ready for the moment. And Sam Darnold in back-to-back drives, one when they had three timeouts and two minutes on the clock, and he throws a really bad interception, throws late over the middle as the pocket collapsed inside. Um, And then the Jets get the ball back, and I know at that point, less than a minute to play, no timeouts. They didn't have a, a a real prayer, but they still had the ball, and you're playing the Browns. This is the Browns. And again, Darnold throws, throws a, a wobbly duck down the left sideline that gets easily intercepted. So uh, Darnold will live to see better days. It doesn't shake my confidence in Sam Darnold, but I know that this was a tough game for a rookie, and you're going to see tough games with a 21-year-old, 20-year-old, 21-year-old rookie. 
This was one. Not for Baker Mayfield now. And uh, Erica? Yeah. Uh, can we get Mark Sessler on the phone? Let's get him on. Let's get him on. Mark Sessler, are you there? I am here. I am on the phone. Oh, my goodness. Uh, let me start by saying congratulations, my friend. Thank you. I mean, you know, there was a little bit of a tug of war through this whole game because, you know, we have our typical text thread going. And as predicted, when it got a little hairy in the first half for the Browns, I started hitting out, texting a little bit of annoyance at you and others and life in general. And let, and let it, it be stated, though, I, did, I was not doing any bragging or anything. You I were wasn't not rubbing no it in was. your face. I was just simply going into the same hole that I always <laughs> go into. And, uh, but then in the second half, and, you know, we can get into it when it turned around, I realized it was coming against the Jets. Not the Patriots, not the Steelers, not the Ravens, but against the Jets and you. And then you and I had multiple friend groups texting both of us, not quite getting, I think, the situation uh, that you were going through. So, I, Dan, I'm sorry that it had to happen to get tonight against the Jets of all teams. It feels like the least uh, deserving NFL <laughs> franchise to have to go through this situation tonight of all teams in the entire league. I, you know, the Jets, I don't need any sympathy. Thank you. I appreciate that, Mark. D- maybe a reminder to people out there that, that maybe say, oh, the Jets went to some playoff games, of, you know, seven or eight years ago. They shouldn't be viewed the same way. But there was really only one team uh, that could ultimately end the Browns streak, and it is the Jets. The Jets are just cursed in that nature. And I, I, I'll, I'll say this. What was, what was the most amazing thing to me, Mark, is that, from the lead up to this game, to the pregame coverage, to Twitter during the game, to the announcers in the booth, uh, there it felt like a tidal wave. And this whole game to me was, this is it for the Browns. This is their moment. This is their moment. Everyone rooting for the Browns and because of that against the Jets. And I thought to myself, this must be what it's like to be a Patriots fan, where everybody just roots against you. So only a Jet fan uh, can know what it's like to be a Patriots fan <laughs> and, and then get nothing for it. I mean, the indignity never ends. But it's not this night, honestly, though, forget about that. And I meant it when I said it on earlier this week on the podcast that I wanted the Jets to win, obviously. But if they if they did lose, uh, I'm happy that uh, that you're getting this win. You've had a, a really shitty week, let's be honest. So not only the Browns get off the schneid, uh, you get a, a big time pick me up as the all the all the Browns fans. So honestly, I'm I'm happy for you tonight. I really am. Well, I and know, you locked it up. I locked it up, and, and I needed that because I was 0 two in locks, and I could not echo more what you just said real quickly because in the first half, my only note of the game that I was going to come on to the podcast with is that <laughs> NFL Network cannot simply will a team to victory. Just because you have two hours of parades and hoopla leading into the game, and then the Browns are down 14 nothing with, with their running back from last year, Isaiah Crowell, crowning them with two touchdowns and rubbing the ball against his butt and throwing it in the stands. It was like, okay, nice job with the pregame show, but here comes reality. But then I thought that what we all hope to see at some point this season with Baker Mayfield, I mean, the, the bigger takeaway than even the win is that I thought Baker Mayfield to me looked like a bona fide first round, if not a number one overall pick type quarterback tonight. No, he and is. He's a stud. In, first overall yeah, pick, and he, and he showed it immediately, Mark. He is the man. Do you guys it, think Hugh is more worried now that they won because he put Baker in and now he was, you know, not playing the kid earlier? Do you think he was almost in a weird way sort of hoping he would somewhat blow it just to prove that he made the right coaching decisions? 
That's going deep. What do you think, Dan? I can't, I can't get into the mind of Hugh Jackson at this point. No, Hugh Jackson probably got his job saved tonight. Yeah. That's, and that's the truth. I mean, Hugh, I don't know if Hugh would have had the smarts, honestly, to, to take Tyrod out of the game if he didn't get hurt. It seemed like it was trending that way anyway, but uh, Tyrod Taylor's, and nobody wants to see anybody get hurt, but that was the best thing that could happen to the Browns because it took it out of the head coach, who frankly I still believe is completely overwhelmed, uh, out of his hands and, and made, uh, made it Baker Mayfield's game, and then Mayfield took over. Yeah, and you ultimately it's like they you come out of the preseason believing that their assessment was one of two things. Either we want to just protect Baker Mayfield and we don't want to deal with a rookie quarterback because Hugh Jackson's dealt with a rookie quarterback for two years, or we incorrectly believe he's not ready, which I think he showed he was ready in the preseason. So I hope that's not their assessment, but he looks completely ready. And you almost wonder where they would be had he been in those first two games, because those were not two pristine Tyrod Taylor performances. And tonight was an absolute egg laid on the field. Uh, in, you know, they, would they have pulled him at halftime if he weren't hurt? I, I'm not sure I trust the coaching staff at I don't either. Coach to do that. I'm I think if for once, Mark, fate worked in your favor on this, and you hope Taylor's okay uh, in the short and the long term. And I said that at the, the top of the show. The Browns might be 3-0 and if Mayfield's in because he's a star. Uh, we gotta, we got to keep moving, but before we do, let's, let's, let's discuss, Mark, what was the greatest lock of all time in the history of Go Get My Lunch. And I'm going to read it, okay? And and let's get some uh, uh, emotional music underneath uh, as I do. Mark Sessler. And this was a a prop that was laid out before the season began. At least one game. Well, no, not that one. Excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) One game will not be relocated due to weather. Okay, here we go. Still on on the table. Week three, Gang Green. That's the Jets. We'll hop out to at least a 10-point lead. They jumped out to a 14-point lead. The Thursday night football talking heads will crow over Sam Darnold. Not quite, but. While the Browns look like a sitting duck in primetime, that they did. Same old story. Dan and Mark will go silent on the podcast group text thread. For the most part, that's true. Greg and Wes follow suit knowing this game could fracture the group for a thousand generations. Fair. All is looking good for the plucky one-and-one Jets. The Jets were one-and-one until Baker Mayfield enters the game, dealing with at least a 10-point deficit and time ticking away. Mayfield battles through some ups and downs to baffle the Jets' defense and route to a rousing comeback that serves as the opening chapter in a rivalry that, well, let's just pause there. Everything is right. You got every single thing right Right. weeks in advance. Right. And and the rest of it's all kind of, you know, fluffy and fun, and I hope that's all right too, but that that this will start a major rivalry between the two teams and also somehow you threw the Patriots in there, but we're going to let that, you're going to let you off the hook on that because you got everything right. Yeah. uh, I I have another question for you. I mean, they, they, they tied the game on essentially the Cleveland special. So where are we, you know, we're going to have to bring the Philly special back into, back into discussion here too. I think it's sort of a tidal wave. It's hard to stop this tidal wave on the Philly special too. Um, listen, that's already been, uh, adjudicated, my friend. We will see. <laughs> but, uh, I do, I do apologize to the Jets for treated like Lee Harvey Oswald tonight. It, it's the wrong team to play that role, but they'll be back. Yeah, it was. It was the defense. The Jets defense looks like it's good uh, and the offense could be, but not tonight. A bad night. Uh, Mark, congratulations on an amazing win as the Cleveland Browns finally get off the schneid. Thank you. And I will see you Sunday. Like it. Feel better, Mark. Glad to hear from you. Thanks, guys. To the show. The Around the NFL podcast. Votes for the Players of the Week. 
Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined in a room filled with some heroes. Chris Wessling to my left, Greg Rosenthal to my right. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Ow! Thank God it's Friday. <laughs> it's our Friday. Well, it's Thursday. Most people will listen to it on their Friday. It's true. You At the top of the show, you heard about the Browns and Jets. Let's hope that worked out for the old <laughs> Zeuser. Um, uh, today, we will be getting into all of the Week 3 games, previewing the 15 games remaining on the schedule. Uh, and uh, we're going to do it with a mix of analysis, touch of mirth. Chemistry, too. A little, little bit chemistry. of chemistry. Uh, Mark Sessler, as you know, if you listen to yesterday's podcast, uh, is still out dealing with that unfortunate issue with blood clots. Yikes. A scary situation that it looks like everything is under control. And hopefully, God willing, uh, Mark will be back with us on Sunday. But he uh, obviously is going to take all the time he needs. Uh, but he will be sitting out uh, this show, uh, the preview portion of today's show, and we will have much reason to celebrate when Mark returns. Absolutely. Including the Browns victory that you guys already just talked about. Oh, yeah, no way. That's going to look old and dated. What a win. Nice move, Greg. Good potty. I I just want to share a little personal anecdote about my morning. Uh, I – our research department, great people. Um, Bill Smith, good dude. He uh, sent out an email – uh, asking us uh, to meet uh, to go through a um, a tutorial on the new PFF. Uh, the the NFL and PFF are now partners in, in Sympat- bed together. Sympatico? Sympatico. Uh, so we, that gives us access to the to the site. If uh, everyone that didn't have it previously now has access, so there's a tutorial about the site, which is quite interesting. Um, I chose to attend the meeting. You, you fellas did not. That's not the point of the story, but I was I going. I think this is the point of the story. It really is not. like it. And you'll see. It's not. We went to the same meeting a year ago, yeah. so I feel like I got that tutorial. Uh, good. That's not what this is about. Uh, if you if your conscience can live with that, then that's fine <laughs> enough. Uh, but I was there, so I had to I had to get to this 1030 meeting. Um, as I'm wont to do, I was running late. So I'm, I'm in the car at about 1020. Uh, I have my bag. I have my LaCroix with a straw, as always. Uh, I have my research notes, and I throw them into the front seat, and I take off to work, and I'm driving. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> I just was assuming maybe you got into like a really bad accident or something. Oh, well, that's nice. <laughs> Driving well, our podcast is now basically a final destination sequel with Wes getting cancer and now Mark having <laughs> a pulmonary embolism. And so Mark, Dan's just going to be like walking close. down the street next summer and, and an arrow comes out of nowhere and <laughs> pierces him in the heart. No, you're next. You're next. Um, I'm like a cockroach. So I'm going to be alive <laughs> past all you guys. That'll be a drop on we know. Four Tears board. Yeah, exactly. So I'm driving along, driving along. I get uh, it takes about 10 minutes to get to the office. I pull into the lot and it was right at that moment and it was about 10:32 so the meeting had started already had to get to this meeting promised bill would not let him down the way you guys let him down <laughs> had to get to the meeting realized at that moment that the old zeuser meant to grab his shoes his sneakers on his way out the door did not have shoes didn't have them thought ooh maybe there's an old pair in my trunk no got nothing 
And it's 1032. Wait, so wait, you drove in your socks? Yes. And now, which is something I do sometimes. Sometimes when I'm running late, I grab my shoes, grab my bag, grab my LaCroix, grab my <laughs> straw, and then I get in the car and put everything together on my way. Sometimes I do that. So you're like run, you're like running on your driveway in socks. I just walk from my front door to my driveway and get my car. It's not a big deal. It's not like I I, I live in like uh, Serbia and and there's glass and and. I feel like I need, I need footwear to be driving. <laughs> exactly. This is not Serbia. If you lived on an island, that would be overdressed to have socks. Yeah. So uh, then I had to make a decision because if I turn around, it's a 20 minute round trip. The meetings. It's over. Over basically. Uh, so I, I decide to conduct a social experiment, and uh, I park the car and, and say, I'm going to go to this meeting without shoes on, and, but I'm not going to make any mention of it, and I'm going to see if anyone notices. And if, I, if, if things work out, I'll sit in on this meeting. It's an hour-long meeting. Go back in my car, drive home. Uh, I get out of the car. First guy up, the valet. Doesn't notice. I have black socks on, dark jeans. Doesn't notice. I go in the building, walk by a couple people. Nobody notices. I turn the corner. Charlie Uke, uh, who's a major player here on the network side, uh, great guy, Uke, uh, he grabs me, says, hey, I really like that interview you guys did with Reggie and Colleen. Good stuff. I was like, thanks, Uke. Uh, doesn't notice. Mm. Enter the meeting. I'm late. Everyone's already there. I walk in. Everybody looks. No one notices. Go through the whole meeting. Nothing. After the meeting, walk out. John Marvel, one of our shadowy league figures, Says, hey, what's up, Zeus? Doesn't see. Good Marvel impression. In <laughs> to the car, back to the valet. Hey, what's going on, Zeus? He never sees it. No one ever knew. I've got one takeaway here. What? You were saved by having plain black socks. I think it helped. But it's also, and it reminded me, it was it was my Shawshank Redemption moment. Uh, remember the scene where Andy, right before his escape, uh, he needs to put together the full suit when he goes to the banks the next day. So the last thing he does, he shines the warden's shoes and puts on the warden's shoes before he goes back to his cell and leaves his old prison shoes in the warden's shoebox. And the only thing that he had to get away with before the escape was no one noticed that he was wearing gleaming dress shoes. When he walked back to the prison, no one noticed. So now I know what it was like. Climb through two, uh, five football fields of smelling foulness. Yeah, yours is a true story. Three on the other side. This is fiction. I'm proud of you, though, that you did not use the occasion sort of at the end of the meeting to, you know, make yourself the hero, not only pointing oh, out proud that, of me, that we're not there. I'm saying Thanks. like you could, I thought you would have wanted Thanks, to point man. out to everyone that you were so committed to making this BFF meeting. Like, I don't need what shoes. What if everybody noticed and they were all like, Jesus Christ. Like, <laughs> yeah, <"Damn>, certainly <laughs> possible. <laughs> I didn't get the feeling because I didn't really know uh, a lot of the people in that meeting well. So it's possible they noticed, but I don't think anybody noticed. Anyway, little story there. My little Shawshank escape. Uh, let's get to the week two games starting. Oh, yeah, Greg, you love it. Everyone loves it. One of the best rivalries in the league, the New Orleans Saints traveling uh, to the site of Super Bowl 53, uh, the Mercedes-Benz Dome in Atlanta to face the Falcons, uh, two teams one and one. And uh, we'll start uh, with you, Chris Wessling, on this. The Saints extremely fortunate to be one and one sneaking by against uh, the Browns with the help of Zane Gonzalez and the Falcons who looked a lot better in week two. I, I feel like the Falcons are in a better place right now than the Saints. Do you agree? I, I think so. And for this reason, um, Greg touched on, on this in his quarterback index. And when I'm watching the Saints Browns game, I'm thinking 
we we think of the Saints as this loaded offense, but really it's Alvin Kamara. That's and, what, and Michael Thomas. Yeah, and Michael Thomas. But Alvin Kamara is, is the offense. He didn't touch the ball in the entire third quarter, and they didn't move the ball. And this has been a problem that maybe their tight ends are not good. Maybe their wide receivers beyond Michael Thomas aren't good. Maybe their running backs without Mark Ingram beyond Alvin Kamara aren't good. And maybe that's why they're having trouble moving the ball. Yeah, I really think it's a case where they trust their system to create yards that you can almost kind of like the Patriots have done over the years. You can almost plug anyone in and be their slot slot receiver. You can plug anyone. And even when Kobe Fleener's struggling, he's putting up 600, 700 yards. But I think they've gotten to the point here where Drew Brees needs more help around him. When he's throwing to Austin Carr at the end of that game and he can't get on the same page as Austin Carr, and you have Ben Watson, who was thrown to five times last week for a total of 19 yards. He's 38 years old. I think they've been trusting that their system is going to fix everything a little too much and not notice that the roster is very top-heavy because the Saints at their best are a spread it, spread it out and you don't know where the ball is going to be going type of team. How big is the absence of uh, Mark Ingram? For the Saints. I don't think it's quite as big as, say, Traquan Smith not playing yet or not being not knowing the all the wide receiver positions enough to play yet. To me, it seems more of a passing game. And Ben Watson not being this big leaping monster in the end zone that Drew Brees needs at tight end. He overthrew Watson once, and it, it felt like not only Jimmy Graham, but a normal tight end would have caught that pass. And, and Alvin Kamara has looked great. He's looked just as good as he did uh, a year ago. I do think it makes a big difference just because you need another quality offensive player. And, and, and it helps you diversify when they're both on the field. And Mike Gillisley's been terrible. Right, and they have bad backups. And Cameron Meredith is the guy I haven't even mentioned. He signed there for good right. money, and he's not even right. active on game days right now. So this is, I think, a week that Saints fans, I've talked to to a couple of them, uh, including you know regular listener of the show Adam who's helped us out over the, he, they're they're afraid of this cuz you don't want to be going into Atlanta Adam Bomb you're not you you not you don't want to be going into Atlanta feeling like you're not at your best cuz this is the game that means a lot to Saints fans and I think the the Falcons are coming into this game looking a lot better and that's why I'm going to go lock them up wow wow I was choice. just going like to say it. after all that analysis I bet the Saints drop 40 on them there, this is such an unpredictable Fair. rivalry, and both teams are so talented that, that 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 it's not like that would shock me in any way. But I do think that the Falcons are a better team right now, and they're at home. And uh, like we said, we like the cannon fodder uh, in week two when it fires off uh, all those storylines that people think they've figured out every team in the league. Fire away. The, the Falcons have no hope in the red zone. Mm. Four for four uh, in the red zone. Four touchdowns. All by Matt Ryan, two passing, two rushing last week. They did not have four red zone touchdowns in any game last season, and that's why I was so angry about him on my fantasy team. If these are the Saints that we're used to seeing, they will find the weaknesses in the Falcons' defense. Right. They are shorthanded. They give, did give up a lot of points to the Panthers. So I think you might be onto something, Chris, that this could be like a 38-35. to 35 I would not be game. wanting to lock this game. Especially, I mean, like, this is your favorite rivalry, rivalry in the league. It's unpredictable. I know where It's Wes, absolutely unpredictable. Every game is unpredictable. I know what Wes wants to lock up. It's the next game we're going to talk about, the Denver Broncos. Oh, yeah. 2-0, undefeated in the AFC West after knocking off uh, the Raiders in the last seconds uh, of week two. Now they travel to Baltimore. A great test here 
for the Broncos uh, and the Ravens. It'll be interesting to see how they bounce back because they definitely, uh, after a, basically a cakewalk in week one against the Bills, where it was even hard to take anything out of it because we have no idea the Bills might be that bad. The Cincinnati Bengals handed it to them a little bit, Greg. So the Ravens are, are stinging after a loss and the, and the Broncos are feeling good. They're feeling good, but they should feel lucky. I mean, I I know it. it Unlucky. I, I mean, they should feel lucky that the Broncos got a win last week. Because let's not get let's not go crazy giving them too much credit as a touchdown favorite squeaking out a win over the Raiders. I think their secondary is the is the part of the team that concerns me because you normally expect that to be a real asset, and so you go from one week giving up a ton of big plays to Russell Wilson and the Seahawks to the next week letting Derek Carr go 29 for 32 and almost being a little too conservative. This is another great matchup. I don't think Joe Flacco is a guy that should scare you, but I, I'm wondering, like, is this is this plus Broncos secondary with some of the talent that they've had over the years totally gone because they have not looked good? Vance, is Joseph is not happy with his secondary, especially his cornerbacks, and wants them to be more aggressive. But I would take the other tack and say they were very unlucky against the Raiders uh, Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick came within whiskers of, of outstanding touchdown catches. Cortland Sutton and Demarius Thomas came within a whisker of outstanding sideline catches deep down the field. They could have had 30 points if, if these plays are made. This this could have been a better game, but the secondary is an issue. Um, and I, did you guys hear? Are you worried that they threw the ball to Demarius Thomas 11 times and he got 18 yards? That's one of the worst games, Oh, like efficiency-wise, any – quarterback receivers have that I can remember. He played poorly and drops were an issue, but it doesn't feel like he can't move well anymore or right. something like that. I feel like the talent is still there. How about Terrell Davis, Hall of Famer? TD saying this week, Philip Lindsay's going to break his rushing record for the Broncos. Oh. What is the rushing record? I think it's 7,000, 8,000 yards. It's Someone doable if you stuck around he, for eight years. But his is, body, is he built for – or is he more a guy that's a complimentary guy? Isn't he like a hundred and – He's, he's, I think he's list, about 190, 195. I think he's listed maybe. at 165. He's like no the lightest way. running back I've ever seen. That's, yeah, is that no right? Way. I thought it was 185, yeah. but if it's one – to my point, it's like, listen. He's uh, not he's that He's great, but if he's, he's – muscular. No, NFL, he's listed at 190. I don't know why, where there I saw that. 185 is what I saw. He can run inside. That's what's different about, different about him compared to other scat backs. And that play, that long run he had where he changed – direction in mid-stride, and that set him free for that long run. He, Not many guys can do that. He was listed at 165 in college, so he has put on – whether they're inflate, they're probably not inflating. He's put on a lot of weight since he was in Colorado. He doesn't look under 190 to me no. when I look at him. He looks fine. I think he can run inside, and I don't think that they're ever going to try to give him 20 you know, carries a game. He's always going to be in a committee attack, but – He's the real deal. I Are you ready to go that far? That he's going to have that kind of staying power where eight years from now he's still on the Broncos? I'm not, kind but, of player? but a Hall of Famer is. You no, I mean, he's who who knows if he can stay healthy. You want to talk unpredictable. If Imagine Phil Lindsay winning NFC Rookie of the Year honors over Saquon Barkley. Well, that would, that would be not, really hard okay. to do. That but would not surprise being me. Being the, the top running back, rookie running back in this class, that would be wild. It is pretty amazing after all that. Time. And it's only two weeks, but you're right that Lindsay's, you know, had as good or better than any running back in the league. You're right, right. Dan. Um, I'm going to lock up this game. You are. I but I'm you. turning heel. I'm what? locking it up for the Ravens. What? Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> you all right, Dark? <laughs> Whoa! 
I Ravens like at home. Broncos feeling a little, you know, a little too big. They're pretty heavy. I mean, they're big favorites. You, the the Ravens. The Ravens it's a, are it's a better sound, team, right? Though. Wes is in a zone right now. Yeah. He's cancer-free. He's 2-0. and And this is a perfect pick because it's kind of like it's a nice job. He can look in the mirror. But even if he was having doubts about looking in the mirror, the fact that he's been riding the Broncos, you can't fault the guy for this. This is a nice little pick. I like, I like what you're doing here. Well, you know, Greg knows this because of his history in the desert. When you're on a roll and you're picking with your mind and not worrying about, like, what your sense is, like, you, yes. you know. Yeah. Like, I know the Ravens are the pick. Like on the blackjack table, if you, if you start to get hot, that's the time and, you get in. You like, I think when you're, when you're in a game a with no rules, you take, like, the biggest favorite possible every week that no one will give you any grief about. And that's the way to go. See, it's still on his way. What, what are you talking about? I picked against an undefeated team this week. They're like six and a half point. Up. I don't care what the people in the <laughs> desert say. They don't know anything. Just saying, let's not get crazy. Oh, it's a crazy last week, thing. the people in the desert said the Bills are a great team and no team in the NFL is ever a cupcake. Stick your desert talk where it don't shine. You don't know anything. <laughs> Right, I'm just saying, let's calm down about picking a touchdown favorite last hey, week and they win by one. Just keep like, talking up the Bills as a great NFL West, team, Greg. Greg, there yeah. are, you say there are no rules. Right. Lock, I've, I've said this a million times. You never appreciate it or understand what I'm trying to tell you. Chris Wesley, can you look in the mirror? And make Absolutely. That's, Absolutely. All, that's the rule. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. that's the rule. I think you picked the wrong fight on that one. Let's move on. The Cincinnati Bengals, 2-0. and and that was a, here's a little weird quirk. They won each of their first two games by the identical score, 34 to 23. And now they travel to Carolina, Charlotte, to be uh, exact, uh, to face the Panthers. Um, the Steelers off to a slow start. Wes, the Bengals, are they now the favorites in this division? How hot? How high are you about this team after two weeks? I don't think there is a favorite in that division. Like it feels like it's 33 percent across the board. Steelers, Ravens, Bengals to me. No love for the 0-1 and 1 Browns. The Browns have to win a game one, before one, I one. ever like. They, they might have the earlier <laughs> on this show. We're stop, really stop stepping into the limb. Yeah, yeah, let's mind. do it. <laughs> yeah, let's do uh, it. no love for them. I don't trust their coaching staff. Never have trusted their coaching staff, and they usually do the wrong thing. And this is a nice opportunity to play a banged up Panthers team whose offensive line is still a little bit in trouble. Like this, this is a, a road game that when you looked at the schedule, that that's a tough matchup. But I, I feel like the Bengals are good enough to hang with anyone. Why not? Not only have the Panthers running backs not really run the ball well, their run defense disappeared last week, and now the Bengals are playing without Joe Mixon, so that will be an interesting matchup. Gio Bernard is a really good backup. Um, One thing I want to see from the Panthers, DJ Moore needs more playing time. The Jarius Wright is not like a starting caliber NFL slot receiver in my mind. DJ Moore is a playmaker and needs to be on the field. That's one of those – Things on draft day, you see DJ Moore, DJ Moore, you immediately expect people are like, that's their number one receiver. And so often when that happens, you get to week one and he's playing 20 snaps between guys that are all, you know, kind of replacement level guys like Jarius Wright and he can't get on the field. That's just how the NFL works. You you expect that these rookies that you love so much are going to make a huge impact. He's made very little impact. Well, they're giving him the Cordero Patterson starter kit, which tells us that he probably isn't a great route runner and doesn't know the receiver positions that well. Mm. Uh, we talked about on Wednesday's podcast, Wes, during our conversation with Will Brinson. And check it out if you haven't seen it. And by the way, while I'm here, uh, people have been saying, how do we watch the Twitter show? You can just click into it, even though it's it's not a live show by nature. If you find in any of our Twitter profiles, in mind, I have it pinned on top of my profile. Click in. You can watch that. I know some people said, is there an audio version of this? 
I don't think uh, maybe that changes down the line, but I think that's what the show is. It's our video show. It's a different show than the three audio podcasts. We want to kind of keep them uh, separate, but we could always have that conversation. Is there a reason why it couldn't also be an audio show? Probably they wouldn't want that to be the case because they want you to watch the video show. I like it video as a video show. show. We got enough audio. Three yeah, times and it's actually it's a show that's driven to be viewed. So I don't I don't want to put out something that has uh, uh, you know as an audio show when it's really uh, it's it's a visual thing. So let's just watch it on Twitter. Enjoy it. It's something we're proud of and excited to do all season. Next show will be Tuesday uh, at one thirty Pacific. 4.30 Eastern. Wes, on uh, Wednesday show with uh, Will, we talked about how more than ever uh, teams are getting their running backs involved in the passing game. Uh, Christian McCaffrey has 100 catches in his first 18 career games, uh, fourth most in the Super Bowl era. So he is a guy from day one in there with that team. They have used him, and uh, he seems to be really hitting a stride now. Yeah, I think that's a product of the era in which he plays. Plus, there aren't many running backs in history who have had his skill set. He's He's almost as much of a slot receiver as a running back. Tough matchup against a good linebacker group. The Bengals, who I think the su- even though the numbers aren't quite there for them, the sum of their parts look really good. They have so many good parts on defense. They're young linebackers. Geno Atkins and Dunlop get paid, and then they come out of the gates on fire. I mean, every play Dunlop makes seems to be just a massive play, and Geno Atkins has been dominant. William Jackson's good. I, this is a tough matchup, I think, for Jesse Carolina. Bates has been really good at safety. Sam Hubbard was a fine. They're a more complete rounds. team than – than the Panthers. The Bengals yes. are quite a complete team. I don't know if they're perfect, but they they do they can do everything well. They don't have a huge weakness. They are definitely good enough to lose in the first round of the playoffs. <laughs> well, it does, and well, that I was going to say they have that 2015 feel to them a little bit. Maybe not as dynamic on offense right. uh, when uh, uh, Eifert and Dalton were in the in the zone together, but just the you get a much better feeling around this team that they feel like this could be an 11-5 team, but. We shall see. It is a wide-open division. Uh, moving on. Oh, week three is fun because when two teams start 0-2, desperation is in the air. The desperation bowl uh, in Houston. The New York Giants, G-Man, are 0-2 after two uninspiring uh, efforts uh, in losses to the Jaguars and Cowboys, especially on offense. Travel to Houston to face the Texans. Uh, Greg, Deshaun Watson, Eli Manning. Two quarterbacks that are getting a lot of uh, uh, scrutiny Black. right now. Uh, forget about that story with Watson and the the coach that made the comment down. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about uh, just in general his start to the season, Eli's start, your QB index, which you roll out uh, every week. Where did where'd you put these guys? What's going on? We're waiting. I'm waiting until week four, I believe, five, to break out the complete rankings. Oh, okay. you got to see him for a few weeks. So Makes for now, sense. we're just ri- I'm writing about trends and whatnot. And my trends for Deshaun Watson would not be that concerning uh, based on his personal play. They haven't protected well. He hasn't been as explosive, but I think some of that's been the play calling. Just you're not getting guys wide open like we did a year ago. He's not quite as athletic, maybe, or at least showing it as he was a year ago. But I think for the most part, you should be pretty happy with how he's looked in his first two games coming off a torn ACL. Eli Manning's a different story. I mean, that was that was a rough rough performance a, a week ago. But I am surprised looking at this game. This isn't this isn't gambling advice, but no, no, no. Is it? But it's shocking that the Texans are overwhelming favorites in this game because at this point the Texans need to try to win a game and they haven't been particularly impressive on balance in either one of them. And to me, it's a toss-up. I, d- I don't think the Giants are necessarily going to be some awful team just based on what we've seen from the first two weeks. 
DeAndre Hopkins was a deserving All-Pro last year, and Deshaun Watson deserves the credit he gets. But Will Fuller's the difference maker on this offense. When he's healthy, they score a lot of points. They move the ball better, and he makes plays. He was excellent last week in that game. Um, Good ball player. And J.J. Watt is licking his chops to go against this Giants offensive line. He did not get a sack again last week, but seemed to win every single snap. And credit the Titans coaching staff, which coached this game like a Super Bowl without their top three tackles. Um, at one point, Derrick Henry had five straight runs out of the Wildcat. They were doing everything they could to not have Blaine Gabbert dropping deep. And Watt was just missing or blowing up the running game. But he's winning at the line of scrimmage ever since the second half of the season opener. And to that point, and I know you guys don't want to say it, but I'll, I'll throw it out there. I'm not making an excuse for Eli. He's been bad through two weeks. But that offensive line, which they put a lot of resources into rebuilding it, he did not have a prayer against the Cowboys. The Cowboys are not, uh, you know, the uh, sack exchange getting reincarnated. Better. They're getting better, but I they, hear you. He did not have a lot of time to operate in that game. It was not a good performance. And if that offensive line, their whole theory, and if you want to buy into why the Giants decided to stay with Eli, their theory was, 2017 was an absolute disaster. We didn't have the right coach in place. We had a terrible offensive line and injury bad luck. If we get a new coach and we get healthy and we redo the offensive line, we can still get time a good season out of Eli or maybe two. But if the offensive line is still terrible, nothing works. Right. It's a Jenga piece and the for that bigger offense. the bigger problem to see, I can't move, and that is that's a part of it. I, I think maybe even a bigger problem has been the run blocking. And I've heard some people already criticizing the Giants for taking Saquon Barkley, which I think is totally fair when you have all these great quarterbacks available at the top. And the people that are defending the Barkley pick are saying, well, yeah, but there's no, you know, there's been a ton of negative runs for Barkley in both games, by the way. A lot of negative runs, a lot of second and 11s, a lot of uh, third and nines where Barkley gets no yards in the first two and sets up Eli in a bad spot. And the people that are defending the Barkley pick are saying, yeah, well, there's no, there's no good run blocking. The line's not good. And I'm thinking that's the point. If you take a running back number two and he can't create yardage on his own because your line is that bad, then, then why are you taking a running back? Barkley is not – he's going to be a great player, I'm sure, but he hasn't helped their team right now very much. This uh, theory that you mentioned with Shermer and Gettleman, their entire offseason, the jury's in and they're handing the judge a rope right now. Ooh. This, this was a miserable offseason for the Giants. Wait, they're we'll going see. to execute I mean, it's a meta- <laughs> it's a bit of a metaphor. I mean, that seems kind of harsh, Wes. I thought we got to – We could dismiss them. At this the whole, like, season. ooh, I'm Wes, I'm after surgery, I'm kinder and gentler, and now you just want to, like, hang people? It's a little it's much. a metaphor. It's a little much. I'm Jack the Ripper. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, to your point, though, like, Saquon Barkley could be a generational talent. But I'll t- another generational ta- talent is Todd Gurley. Look at his 2016 season and his 2017 That's season. That's fair, dog. Any running back, you need to have That's that support. Fair. We should mention Marcus Mariota. Unless you're Barry Sanders. Then you can do anything. But Oh, well. Sorry, go ahead. No, that's it. No, I, I'm getting totally scrambled of who, who's possibly available in this game. Giants need this game, by the way. That's all. They both need they it. Need they both need it. Who gets it? I think the Texans are the better team. I don't trust anything about the Giants right now. And you're totally right about the offensive line. But Eli has fallen into so many bad habits, and he wants to take the check down now. I'm picking the G-Man. Shocker. <laughs> I'd take the Texans, but I don't feel great about it. Uh, moving on, the Tennessee Titans, 1-1. One one. Uh, beat those Texans last week, 20-17. to 17. Traveled to Jacksonville to face the Jags, who looked awesome against the Patriots. 
uh, last Sunday. Marcus Mariota practiced again on Thursday, uh, which points to uh, him returning to action or being on the field as a starter uh, in this game. Uh, will it matter, Wes? I think it will. And oddly enough, the Titans controlled this matchup last year, winning both games. I don't know if they're as physical on offense. Uh, I think both of their tackles did return to practice this week, so that bodes well. Uh, One player to watch, rookie Harold Landry, who missed the first game and who was a first-round talent who fell to the second round, was a terror coming off the edge against the Texans. He has power. He has explosion. He has a dip move, which he uses to get around the left tackle, and I think he's a transformative player for this defense. They're a better defense with him on the field. Well, they really needed him back yeah or they needed something off of the edge because they weren't getting much Rashawn Evans their first round pick hasn't played plays a different position but they had had, not getting much out of him uh you're right Taylor Luan looks like he will play in this game Jack Conklin they're all pro probably not back for a few weeks and they're hopeful I think Dennis Kelly who's their swing tackle will will play in this game and and that that's a big deal I like who's 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 gonna be back which lineman Taylor Luan no the other I'm Jack the Ripper (laughs) Jack Conklin? Uh, he's not back. Oh. Dennis Kelly, though, is. But Jack Conklin. I thought back you had a drop bit. prep for Dennis Kelly. I, I was, was about pre- to be impressed. <laughs> I was pretty excited for that. This is kind of a sneaky, huge game, though, because if the Jaguars win this, uh, there might be a little bit of separation in the, in the division and not a lot of hope that any of these teams are going to come catch them. Yeah, I, I think the Jags are heading for a first-round playoff bye. I mean, I know it's early, but that division, they're clearly the best team. And I know – I've ripped on Bortles. So I want to compliment him a little bit. I, I've called him a, a poor man's Cam Newton because you never know from week to week what his mechanics are going to do. But I do think he's gotten better at going through progressions and knowing when to take a risk and when to dump it off. And I think that he's a smarter quarterback than he was a couple of years ago. I think his coaching's gotten better too. I think yes, Nathaniel absolutely. Hackett's done a good job. The fact that Mariota is practicing, but the coach, Mike Brable, was still saying that he's like working through getting – feeling in his fingers. The only football would be like Marcus Mariota still didn't have feeling in his fingers a week later, not be that big of a deal last week. It's a it was man's just like, game. It was just like, okay, yeah, he's not really feeling his fingers yet, so uh, maybe he'll play, maybe he won't. Like, that seems insane. Erica, hey, chicks, move aside. This is a man's game. I'm Jack the Ripper. <laughs> <laughs> One more note about the uh, – that's a good point, Greg. One more note about uh, Leonard Fournette. <laughs> oh, what? what was my point? I no, know. that football, it's, oh, okay, it's yeah. a brutal game. It's a brutal sport, yeah. and it, you have to be tough to I play. I don't think it. we know for sure that he's starting, by the way. We, it no. might be Blaine Gabbard again. Um, Leonard Fournette is limited in practice, but he seems to be headed back to the lineup. One note, in four games without that man, that offense is way better. They're averaging over 30 points a game and have not lost. So Leonard Fournette, who another running back who was a, a first-round pick, has not had that type of impact in Jacksonville. Moving on, uh, here's a nice matchup. The San Francisco 49ers travel to Arrowhead to face the 2-0 Chiefs. The Chiefs have looked awesome, at least on offense through two weeks. Patrick Mahomes uh, won another Player of the Week award. Are you okay with this one? Yes, I'm okay with this one. I still would have Tyreek Hill number one in my own personal MVP rankings. Okay. I think he. But you're no rant about the player of the week this week with Pat Mahomes? I think Pat Mahomes is great. He's going to be a phenomenal quarterback, but Tyreek Hill right now is like Randy Moss in his prime. He's going to make any quarterback under center throw for way more yards and touchdowns than they would otherwise. Gotcha. Uh, so here come the Niners, who survived against the Lions. Uh, I'm curious what you guys think about that, about that game because that was one of the ones I watched on Sunday. Um, but I have to say, 
Um, Greg, I want to tee you up on this because I know you did write about some uh, cracks in the Jimmy G veneer mm. through two weeks. Just that he's he's had two a two-game stretch where he's had struggles that he didn't have in any two-game stretch. Happy feet. A year ago. Different problems depending on the game. Happy feet, certainly in, in week, the red zone. In week one. No, in last game. And then week week two a little bit that he just I don't know if he froze or he just he just held on to the ball too long. And the Matt Patricia, who knew knows him really well, had a great game plan. They took advantage of the lack of talent at wide receiver, man to man coverage, whatever it was, Garoppolo was holding the ball forever. Four of his six sacks, he held the ball more than seven seconds, which is unheard of. Eight seconds on one. Even the two that were closer were four or five second sacks. So he was confused. He had a few inaccurate throws. He got bailed out by a bad interception. He just hasn't looked as comfortable in these two games. I don't think it's a big deal at all. I think every quarterback's going to go through this, and Kyle Shanahan and him will figure it out. But he's not playing to start this season at the level that he was at last season. There's no question. Yeah, you asked if we were worried about him after the first week, and I said no. And I'm still not worried about him. It's been eight starts in his NFL career. It's not time for, like, panic or anything. But I do think that what separates good from great quarterbacks in the NFL is how they play in the red zone. And since he's taken over as the 49ers starter, Mm. he's really good about moving the offense up and down the field, moving the chains. And then once they get to the red zone – Maybe it's more of a function of who he's throwing to, and maybe he hasn't figured out red zone defenses as well yet, but the offense tends to stall when they get to the red zone. And to keep an eye on that, talked about this a little bit last week, but the one thing, if you want to get super pumped like the Jaguars, a lot of people will say right now, who are the who are the favorites to get a, a bye in the AFC? The Pats are always in the mix, but a lot of people are going to say Chiefs, Jaguars. Well, let's say Chiefs have given up over 1,000 yards of total offense in their first two weeks. Right. And that are. offense will probably cool off a little bit. It did last year at least. And if it does, the defense is just going to have to be better or they're going to come back down to earth. In football outsiders metrics, they are number one in offense, number one in special teams, and dead last in defense. <laughs> wow. That's kind of fun. They call that – That's you know what that's called? The golden sombrero. Mm, no, no. that's the that's golden not. shower. Got the, well, that's, <laughs> no. that's also not a that's not, not right. typically uh, the golden triumvirate. I don't know. <laughs> well, well only quit. two are go. Okay, let's just move on. Uh, we'll work on that. Moving on, the Raiders. The Raiders. Oh, and two. Uh, just a really tough uh, rip out your heart loss to the Broncos because that team needed a win, but they could not find a way to close out the game. And now they follow. Uh, they head to Miami to to face. I was going to say the surprising Dolphins, but no. They've done a nice job with a, a, a favorable early schedule. They won at home against the Titans uh, in that in that silly seven-hour game and then played sh- pretty well against the Jets on the road in a 20-12 to win. So they're 2-0. and um, Wes. Let's talk some Dolphins. Let us talk some Dolphins. Go. Outside of the move that Albert Wilson put on Buster Screen for the touchdown – I was not impressed with this offense in the least, the Dolphins' offense against the Jets. Uh, But I am really impressed with their defense, and it starts with Robert Quinn, who has looked great since the beginning of preseason action. He looks five years younger. Uh, Devon Godshaw at defensive tackle had an awesome game against the Jets. And Minka Fitzpatrick, who I included as an honorable mention in my top ten defensive rookies, and Dolphins fans lost their ever-loving minds on you going at? I know know Wes is feeling good when he's just – taking shots at entire fan bases. Well, the Dolphins fan base is ridiculous, and they're the worst <laughs> fan base in the NFL right now by wow. far. By absolute <laughs> far. Care to just uh, unpack that a little bit? Yeah. Why? Because they 
like they have less security about themselves than any fan base in the league. They know their team's boring and directionless, and they're not going to go anywhere. And we clip this up and no. send it to the Miami. Well, media. not only that, I want and one of Hank. those. And Erica, you're Hank. great at those. He- Henry yeah. is like the rare Dolphins fan who is able to take a sober-minded approach to his team. I want one of those social posts. Erica, you know, you're you're young. You're a millennial. You can figure this out. You know, like a picture of Wes's face with a lot of big pull quotes of all the yes. things he just said Please. about the Dolphins are insecure and all this stuff. Oh, they're incredibly insecure. Like, they, they are just riddled with insecurities, that fan base, and they lash out. And every little thing. Doesn't that make counterpoint? Doesn't that make them somewhat relatable? Because we all have our insecurities that we wrestle with. No, they're sneaky more... good fans, though. They're they're no, they they're know, sneaky awful. Fans. They know their team and they're passionate, which people don't think of the Dolphins fan base as like very passionate because you look at the crowd and they're not there all the and time. The, then they're no, but I think actually they are. The Miami they are a knowledgeable team. team, and you can tell by the coverage that they get. They have a million blogs and a million uh, newspapers, and they're all just we, pump it out. Dolphins. We have different definitions of what makes a good fan. I don't think that, like, <laughs> knowing only your own team, ignoring the other 31 teams in the league, and getting overly passionate about everything your team does makes you a great fan. It just makes you narrow-minded. Greg, please, in the future, uh, try not to talk over my Miami sound machine bits. <laughs> oh, try it again. Go for it. Yeah, especially for a team owned by the Miami sound machine. <laughs> Gloria Estefan. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, to wrap up, yes, an underrated defense and overrated fan base. Okay, and on the Raiders side, uh, they, they they need a win in the worst way. Derek Carr played tremendously well. He should, he deserved a W as much as anybody else. Uh, he played like an MVP, to be honest with you. Uh, but it wasn't enough. And then uh, this week, because this is now, especially when you don't get the W, uh, you know the bad. Vibes. I wish the Raiders had won just to calm everyone yeah, down. Yeah, the storm clouds continue to follow. The latest was here. John Gruden, and this was seized on in certain corners of the internet, uh, was discussing it's a little too easy. It was it was discussing you know their issues getting to the quarterback. Here's what Gruden had to say: It's hard to find a great one. It's hard to find a, a good one. It's hard to find one. You just said it. And um, you know, college football now they're they're not really dropping back to pass and throwing footballs anymore they're throwing laterals and they're throwing bubble screens and they're running read options so you got to train these guys it takes a little bit of time to uh to learn how to rush the passer and um we got some guys that are in that process right now yeah the obvious thing there and, and it's fair to say though if you're aware how hard it is and it's harder than ever to cultivate pass rushing talent at this level you don't let the best one of the last 10 years out the door uh, but this is just the negativity that's around the Raiders right now. They they need to win as badly as anybody. And they, I think I th- you know what I think the Dolphins are going to give it to them. You you think really the Raiders, think the Raiders get off the Schneid? You're going to lock it up? No, I'm not going to lock it up. But I, I I like the Raiders in this game. I wasn't that I'm with West. Their defense looked good against the Jets. I don't take anything out of the Week One game. It was just a mess. The defense looked good. The offense pedestrian. And Ryan Tannehill meh. Yeah, Marshawn. Yes. I- Ryan Tannehill, meh. I think, yeah, we need to see more, but it's been – that's kind of what he's been under. Ad- I think Adam Gase does a good job of not exposing him and not making him the reason that they lose games, but you don't, you want a little more out of your franchise. Someone should trade for Raider safety Carl Joseph. That's one of my takeaways too. Mm. He's not being used on that team, and I think he's got potential. Let's move on. The Buffalo Bills 0-2. Um, they fell last week to the Chargers. They got killed in week one by the Ravens. Now they travel – 
to Minnesota. Greg, I would imagine the desert people um, are pretty confident that Minnesota is going to have their way. It's wild. It's but, wild to see uh, a team favored by as much as the Vikings are this early in the season. And, of course, you can't. We won't get into detail. You can't, you can't argue with that, especially because I think the Vikings are showing – that they do have a higher ceiling even than they did a year ago because of Kirk Cousins. And that's – how can that not get you excited? Even in a game where Mike Pettin had a great plan to stop Kirk Cousins early, that they b- managed to figure it out during the game. And right now his numbers going deep down the field are actually better than they were in Washington. And they were good in Washington. But now – I mean, it's early, but he's 5 for 10 throwing deep down the field for something like 150 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. You know why? Because he's got better receivers. That's Stephon a big – Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen are really freaking good. Right. So he has better receivers, but a, a couple of his throws have also just been wow throws. So it's that combination that just makes you excited, thinking there's not a lot getting in the way of this team other than maybe the offensive line. The offensive line's better than people thought it would be. I don't. I don't see that as a weakness at all. Through two not weeks, in, not in the Packers game so much. I, I agree. And in uh, other Buffalo news, Jordan Matthews, who just resigned with the Eagles, uh, had this quote this week, which I quite enjoyed. When I was in Buffalo, there was like nothing to do there except ellipses. Have fun with your wife, Orson. Ah, the French champagne. She got pregnant, so we always say we got a Buffalo baby. Ain't nothing to do there except each other. That is an early contender wow. for quote of the year. Uh, I can't, you know, I'm 0-2 in the locks. Uh, I would love to lock up the Vikings here, but here here it is. Perfect example. Yeah, well, yeah. A daddy looks in the mirror. Nope. Ah, can't do it. I've been can't monitoring this, though, because I'm trying to figure what point is the mirror. And I and I figured out it's about a touchdown. You can, if it's a, more than a Craig touchdown, trying to quantify. you can't look in the mirror. You're quantifying if you're gonna the make mirror? A, if you're going to make a game, I feel like it needs to have rules. You give way too not, much credit, credit to the game. desert. Moving on, the Indianapolis Colts uh, are 1-1 one and, one and look pretty damn good uh, against the Redskins, especially uh, on defense uh, in their win in Week 2. They now travel to Philadelphia, and the big story, of course, here is Carson Wentz, who returns to the lineup, Chris Wessling, and not a moment too soon. Yes, you and I and Lindsay spoke about this on Wednesday's show. Should we expect Carson Wentz to struggle at first? And my point was, even if he's fully healthy, his surrounding talent is so much worse right now. But I thought it was interesting that Jimmy Kemsky, who uh, is a beat writer for the Eagles, tweeted out that Carson Wentz in 2017 had the best training camp he's ever seen by a quarterback, and he was even better in the 2018 training camp. Mm. And he expects Wentz to be good right away because Wentz is just that good of a player. Interesting. He, But then again, tra- training camp to me doesn't indicate much. I mean, Carson Wentz started last season slow. Do you remember the conversation about yes. mid-September last year? People were like, oh, is he going to come along? I just think, to your point, he needs more help from the play calling, they've had a lot of changes in the coaching staff. Is that going to provide a big edge? And then is the running game going to at least be solid? Is the is the receivers going to help them out? I think the defense, especially in this game, should be fine and that they should get the W. And don't forget Frank Reich. This is uh, his first game against his old team. He knows the tricks. He knows the, <laughs> the skeletons in the closet. That's an advantage That's for the true. Colts. That's true. Who would have thought three weeks ago that when you look at this game, no, nobody would be shocked if the Colts win? I'd be surprised, though. I wouldn't I, be surprised. I'd at be all. surprised, but not shocked. I, I would. I would reasons. because it's in Philadelphia, and as as well as the Colts have played the last couple of weeks, I think the Eagles coming off a loss, it's still a big step up to to me in quality. 
couple of compliments for the Colts. They are the best third down offense in the league by a wide margin right now, a higher percentage and six more converted third downs than any other team. That's Frank Reich, and that's Andrew Luck, and that's playing without your left tackle. And I think another thing about Reich, compared to the other new coaches, I think it's safe to say the Colts are already finding an identity. Yes. They they looked like a totally different team on both sides of the ball, so the credit goes to Eberflus, Eberflus. Uh, for yeah. really changing kind of their physicality and just the way that they look. You're right. I mean, Andrew Luck, year after year, was known for throwing the ball down the field. There's a stat average depth of target, which he would always be near the top of the league. Right now, he is dead last in average depth of target. But I think that's good coaching because they don't have great protection. And they have routes that get guys open quickly, and they're getting the ball out of their hand. And it's almost like he's kind of building Andrew Luck up in his system. It's going to be a long-term relationship, and they're kind of starting at the ground floor. And I think they're just going to add and add and add. And now the Colts are like one of the teams I'm excited to watch every week. Uh, let's pause here for a word from our sponsor. Bragging rights and huge cash prizes are up for grabs this weekend and all season long at DraftKings, the leader in one-week fantasy sports. How huge? We're talking over $2 million. It's bag season, yo. Uh, with one week fantasy at DraftKings, you choose when to play. Draft a new team every week with no season-long commitment at DraftKings. You are the GM. Uh, just choose your players, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Go to DraftKings.com or download the app today. Use Around NFL to enter a contest for free this weekend with your first deposit and compete for your share of over $2 million in total prizes. That's code Around NFL only at DraftKings. The game inside the game. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com. For details, let's move right along. The Green Bay Packers. Oh, they kissed their sister. They laid it on her. Ew, gross. One, oh, two, take two. Ah, the <laughs> French champagne. 29-29 tie against the Vikings. They got screwed. Clay Matthews had the play. Should be 2-0 right now, sure. but that's not how life works. They're one Zero and one. And now they travel to Washington to face the Redskins. Aaron Rodgers versus Alex Smith. I love it. A little 2005 draft heat. Greg Rosenthal. Ooh, didn't even think about Mm. that. Uh, After two weeks, I was kind of thinking big picture that I feel as good about my Super Bowl pick, the Green Bay Packers, as I did going into this season. Are you concerned at all that Aaron Rodgers is telling the media that he's concerned that his knee is not stable and could get worse? Because there goes your Super Bowl pick if that That, happens. That is concerning because on one hand, you see that he doesn't practice all week, and that means it's really serious. And then on the other hand, you watch him on Sunday, and you think, well, there's I don't know what quarterbacks I would rather have than a gimpy Aaron Rodgers. Maybe none. So then he knocked awfully quick when he scrambled for that first down and dove at the right. So then, so I don't know what to to think, but it is a problem if if you're not going to be able to get it over. But Aaron Rodgers was never the concern. It was it was everything else. And I do see the defensive pieces coming together. And I think I'm seeing the offense come together enough as, as a whole to think they've got enough here that if they can be peaking by November, December, they should be thinking about themselves as one of the real contenders. One of my takeaways from watching that game is that the big Jimmy Graham game is coming soon. They, they seem like Rodgers is looking into him often and they were just inches away from big plays on several. You've got sandwiches on the line there, Daniel. What's that? 
Jimmy Graham. He looks good. I only uh, know this because right. Wes well, sent, sent out a tweet earlier this week about your Kai Forbath sandwich. Ooh, that's going to cost me, it Which looks is like. not looking good. But glad let, let glad me I say, took you up on that. Wes, I, I trust your eye more than anyone. But let's see him stuff a stat sheet because it's been a while. That hurts that you trust him more than me. Um, don't, ta- don't look at it that way. It's I think the way of getting into the conversation. That's fair. But it, it I think it speaks volumes to me that Aaron Rodgers really trusts him right now. Already after you know yeah. one week. What was the the Graham wager? I think it was 700 yards. It was, huh. a, it was a random one, but yeah, that he would get under 700 yards. You weren't buying. Greg, you surfaced it, so you should have been. It, that was it. Guess. That was it. It was 700. You sure? Yes, I'm sure. Okay, I apologize. I'll stand down. We'll see. This uh, is an interesting game, though. Too. It is. I, it's not that I, I give the Redskins a chance. I'm not jumping off the bandwagon just because they lost last week, but this is certainly a tough matchup. I think the Colts. Did th- some things to Washington defensively that certainly give you pause for concern. They, they're they going to need to show that they can go down the field a little bit more. They're going to need to be consistent week to week running the ball. They certainly weren't very good running last week. Do they give you pause and cause for concern? I think a I, double up. I took a pause and then I was concerned during the pause. <laughs> Their wide receivers are on notice. There was Josh a cause for the pause. Josh Doxson and Paul Richardson, they – Looked into Josh Gordon, and then they went out and signed two former first-round picks for Shad Perryman and Michael Floyd. Paul Richardson had a bad drop. Josh Doxson isn't making plays. They're always they're a little. They're always a little hurt. Those. They're a team that, on paper, I really like the wide receivers, but it hasn't. It hasn't quite translated, and Crowder hasn't been a huge factor early either. And Brashad Perryman never change your profile photo. What is it? Just don't change it. I don't even want to get into it. Just let it mm. be this one forever. Use it. Because it's one of my favorites. Wow, that it's really derogatory. It's basically, you know how we we say on this show sometimes hair recognize hair. Mm. This is like hair hair shaming doesn't recognize hair or hair recognizes <laughs> bad hair. <laughs> Moving on, it's the battle of Los Angeles. Oh my goodness, the Los Angeles Rams who are piling up yardage uh, this season. They have one win to show for it and two tries. Now they travel travel in quotes to the LA Coliseum to face the Rams who look as good as anybody in the league right now. Um, But also a little bit of a soft start to their schedule, Oakland and Arizona. But here's a real test, Chris Wessling, because the Chargers have the firepower to hang. They have the firepower on offense for sure. And then on defense, Derwin James looks like an early rookie of the year favorite. They're using him like Troy Polamalu. He had one sack. He blew up a handoff to LaShawn McCoy and took down Josh Allen. And then he also forced Josh Allen into Uchenna Nawasu's arm for another sack. And he broke up a play down the seam to Charles Clay. This guy is phenomenal. It, it bad. makes you want to see what they that they look like with Joey Bosa yes. on the field, especially in this game where you're going to need every last person possible because – the, the matchup I'm more excited about is when the Rams' defense is on the field. I mean, they they bring in Sue, Peters, and Tlaib. I wouldn't say they've been under the radar, but just the nature of the games that they played, we, this is, to me, a much better test because that secondary has been awesome. Peters and Tlaib have looked awesome together, and John Johnson in the back row at safety is looking like he – You love John a, Johnson. I, I have since he came in the league, and he started already looking like he might be a Pro Bowl type player. Sue had a really good week, too. Again, it was against Arizona. But this is an all-star looking defense going up against one of the smoothest passing games that's in the entire league. It's about as good a matchup, I, I think, on one side of the ball, at least, that you can come up with in the NFL right now. I think 
the Rams have an advantage over a lot of teams in the NFL and that they're trying to win. What is that, what is that supposed to be? <laughs> they're doing everything possible salary cap-wise and whatnot? So many teams would have said, hey, we're going to stick with Josh Reynolds at wide receiver. We drafted him. We're going to develop him. We're going to play him. And the Rams said, no, we, we want to win. We won a Super Bowl. We're going to go get Brandon Cooks, who's perfect in this offense. And he looks good. I think many NFL teams do that. They talk themselves into settling for what they've drafted, what they're trying to develop, instead of saying, we want to get as good as we can possibly get right now. The offensive line for the Rams has looked really good. I think part of what you're saying, though, Wes, comes down to coaching. You have to have a coaching staff that can take good players from other teams and know what to do with them. Yeah. And the, Ram, the Rams have that. With that said, I'm not get, I'm not just handing this win to the uh, to the old Ramseys. No, you shouldn't. You're a house Phillip, divided on this one. Philip Rivers looks great so far. That, great. I mean, he always looks great, but just the they're top. They're the a top touch, ten defense the right touch now. The feel it's looking. They're hot. the number three offense. The Chargers. The touch and and the Greg loves them. And Wes is on the bandwagon too. The fabric of our lives. <laughs> Beautiful way to hit the falsetto, uh, uh, Wes. But guess what? Screw your Chargers. I'm locking up the Rams. They're going to win the battle of L.A. And all your Chargers boys can go home because they're not ready for this. You're not I ready to face Jack this. I am Jack the Ripper. <laughs> That's a mirror looker right there. I look right in the mirror. And it's a, not only am I looking in the mirror, I see the two of you in the background. And I'm nodding our looking approval. at you. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, stand, my, stand up guy. My theory, my theory held strong. That's right as a touchdown favorite. <laughs> I like this theory. That's, um, that's the mirror. The mirror is a touchdown. You get, you try to pick a team that's as close to that as possible. <laughs> you got to be right it's on the an mirror. Interesting theory. Uh, moving on. So far, <laughs> the Chicago Bears, uh, one and one. They won on Monday night against the Seahawks. Great effort by the defense. Prince of Mukamara with a pick six to put Russell Wilson and company away. Now they travel to Arizona. There are. Nobody likes to go on the road in the NFL. It's it's hard to win on the road in the NFL, but if you have to go on the road right now, uh, maybe outside Buffalo, Arizona is where you want to go, Greg Rosenthal. I just want to – did they change the name for that stadium, by the way? Is that still University of Phoenix Stadium, or do they have a crazy name for it? It's a bad sign for I this game have, that this is the lead conversation. I shouldn't have brought that up uh, off, the, off the top of – of this conversation. The Cardinals. University of Phoenix Stadium. It still is. Okay. Wait. Right. They strike stadium naming rights deal with State Farm. It, it's confusing. It, it's about to become State Farm Stadium, or it already has. Okay. That's Don't great. care. Okay. Let's, let's delete the last minute from the program, Erica, and start right now. <laughs> Your thoughts on this game, Greg. I'll tee up you again. The Bears. There are a few places. That a team wants to go on the road. <laughs> Arizona's one of them because they suck. Everyone loves going into State Farm Stadium <laughs> because the Cardinals have an offense that doesn't know what it's doing. Remember how we were like, oh, Sam Bradford's coming off the two best seasons of his career. It's like that. That's, Did you see him in that season opener that against is, the Saints? That is so good. It's so it's over. The They're averaging four yards per attempt. They've somehow made – David Johnson look boring or not much of a That's factor. A sin. And they're going up against a great defense that I really think is so good on every level. It's rare in the NFL that defense can just win some games on your own. Bears can win games on their own against the Seahawks and the likes of the Cardinals. Their team of ATL is going to be 2-1. and one. Yeah. I should have locked this up. Would that have been allowed? No. I don't know. No, 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 no. not. Can you look in the mirror you and You can't look that? in your mirror. See, that's weird, though. They're actually less of a favorite. In a contrarian Check your look spread. in the mirror. It's not contrarian. They're less of Check a favorite. I'm with you. Uh, it's less than both of your teams. So actually, that's it, it breaks your theory because you can't pick the team to beat 
what there's a better team is looking. My mirror is more like statistical, I guess. There's I a know. better chance of a quarterback change than a Cardinals win in this. Game. I will say this: I love my friend Jason Zumwalt. He's a uh, listener to every show. I go back years with him. He's a big time Cardinals fan. But if they do not, after they get killed in this game, if they are not starting their freaking rookie for Week Four, get the Cardinals out of the league. Their season doesn't put, put them in the cannon and fire them away. Their season does not Enough. matter until Josh Rosen. Yes, plays. join you- us, Arizona Cardinals, in modern football. Get your rookie quarterback that everybody wants to see in the game, so you, your games are watchable. This yeah. is rough right now. And for the sake of the two Hall of Famers on your team, Larry Fitzgerald mm. and Patrick Peterson, who are watching a bunch of people go through the motions around them. I also I enjoyed this week the annual uh, midweek Mike McCoy. Mia Culpa that said, I'm going to start pairing back the offense. Every year, whatever team Mike McCoy is running, at some point during the season, they're like, well, the players don't really understand what's going on. Let's pair back the offense. Like, that doesn't that seem like a problem that, that has to happen every year? That's it. That's, That's the problem. Uh, moving on, another late game here. The Cowboys, uh, one and one travel to Seattle to face the Seahawks. This is a uh, I caught a little bit of fire on my in my mentions, Wes, uh, from Seahawks fans that were upset on Wednesday's show that I said that the Seahawks don't matter anymore. Don't take it personally. Actually, they were more upset that I floated the theory that Greg, you have the you believe the same that Seahawks fan have to be have regret that that window is now closed on what was a tremendous run of about seven or eight years. Uh, they only got the one ring out of it. There's no way any any Seahawks fan you look you look in the mirror you know it. That that sucks. You you probably should have no no better no team had a better core of stars uh, together longer than the Seahawks, and they got the one rings. Don't get mad at me. I, I mean, I, you could reopen it next year with a new coach or whatever. You have a quarterback, but you're right. The window's closed. I find Seahawks fans much more palatable when their team stinks. Mm. Well, here we are because they're zero and two. Interesting. And they, Seahawks Twitter is more likable with a down Seahawks. It's also very possible that I've blocked all of them and no longer hear from them. <laughs> uh, the Seattle Seahawks 0-2. They need a te- uh, win. They're desperate for a win. The Cowboys are no one's definition of a world beater right now, even if they beat the Giants on Sunday night football, Wes. Uh, the Seahawks, they're going to find a way here, right? At this, the clink? This is a pick game, I think. I think the Cowboys' defense might be the best unit in this group, and that would have shocked me to say it in the offseason, but – They've really impressed me so far this year. Uh, one thing with the Seahawks, I think they're getting Bobby Wagner back this week. Uh, K.J. Wright's still out. But Bobby Wagner, when he's on, one of the Defensive Player of the Year candidates in the NFL perennially, it seems like. It, but they had him week one. And I, the defense hasn't been the problem. That's the thing. Defense played fine the, la- the both games. I mean, they, they certainly gave up a couple plays against the Broncos they'd like to have back. But they played pretty well against the Bears. They're figuring it out. They're not as talented. And Bradley, Bradley McDougald, if you didn't know who he was, like he's looked like a pro bowler in the first couple weeks. Like Frank Clark is playing well. Their, their defense is fine, and that's why we can kind of expect this to be a close game. But I'm with you. I think the Cowboys – Defense is actually the best group, and I'm not ready. You're saying like they're not world beaters right now. Let's look. Let's let it breathe this season, Daniel. That's that's it's just week the way, three. That's the way things. It's are. week three. The they Cowboys, haven't been world beaters. No, they might. I'm be, not saying they they won't become. Yeah, that. they might. They might be good. This Cowboys team. I want to just see it come together. I think they've got enough going for them. Really? that it could come together. I, I I think they should have been in that mix for Josh Gordon. Personally, what about, I still have the same issues about nothing the about their offense other than I think Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott and Tyron Smith are all great players, and they're on that team, you know, and Zach Martin. They have some great players. I'm, I, 
I stood by Dak Prescott for a long time, but the word great should not be used. That's fair. I shouldn't group him with those other three guys. I think he can be an asset, and he's certainly – I don't think he's a lot. I'm beginning to wonder if he's really an asset or if he's just always going to be a mediocre quarterback. Mm. He seems to be one of those quarterbacks, say like an Andy Dalton, who's only as good as the talent around him. And there are worse quarterbacks to have, but – He's not the rising tide that's lifting boats. I they've had the Gotta same they've, they've had the same coordinator for a while. The, the talent is certainly that not coordinator there. has not been an asset that's, lately. That's what I'm saying. Uh, let's move to Sunday night football. Yeah, <laughs> we got the Lions again. We got them on Monday night football in Week One. Now we have them on Sunday night football hosting the Patriots. Patriots uh, ate a little bit of humble pie. Uh, yeah, that, that's what they served on the throne of Sleaz last week, uh, Erica. So I hope you guys all enjoyed that. Stuffing your face with the humble pie. Oh my god. That was pretty <laughs> aggro. They're like look I'm Jack the Ripper. <laughs> Dan, Dan like looked over at me with a real <laughs> sense of menace. It, it was wasn't actually happening. Erica, but you okay. you caught you could have caught a sideways glance as well. Uh they <laughs> I, get the I Patriots coming off you did caught a uh, coming off a bad loss, which I would never want to be uh, a team against the Patriots and Bill Belichick and Tom Brady coming off a bad, humbling loss. I think this one can get ugly. Greg, you think the team playing the Patriots is always in great position. Do you think the Lions are? No. The, you, you're right that you don't want to play them coming off a loss. I think now is a good time to play the Patriots generally because I think their offense is going to be figuring things out for a while. I don't think they're a world-beating offense, and they might not be till mid-October. But this – on paper is a perfect matchup, a team that shouldn't be able to apply that much pass rush pressure. I know Matt Patricia has been around Tom Brady, like he's been around Jimmy Garoppolo, but I, I think Tom Brady is going to figure out whatever the lions are doing. And the personnel defensively just isn't there for Detroit. No, it's not. And the offense just seems out of sync. We're still waiting to hear about this great new ground attack. And I know he's played against really good defensive tackles so far, but Frank Ragnow has not been, Playing well as the first-round draft pick. Um, Matthew Stafford had a handful of overthrows last week. He's looked bad. They need him to be – remember, there was talk kind of like, oh, this is the year, including by me, that maybe Stafford, like, is in the top five. I thought so, too. And he hasn't looked – Kenny Galladay looks fantastic. Uh, Marvin Jones and and Matthew Stafford seem to be off by a couple of steps on every throw. I want to – I'm really curious. These are two teams that have both looked pretty different depending on the week. I want to see what Patriots defense shows up. Yeah, you know, I, I have pretty high hopes for them. Not a good performance in Jacksonville. Detroit actually did some things against San Francisco. You could have made a case that they, 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 they certainly could have won that game on the road. It's not like they were an embarrassment last when, week. When I made the point about Frank Reich and finding an identity, Matt Patricia's Lions were, were the team I was thinking of as the contrast team. What, are they even close to having an identity? Uh, the Patriots with Tom Brady since 2010, 25-8. Uh, in primetime games, 72 touchdowns, 16 interceptions, over 100 passer rating. Would you guys ha- it, hazard? That, well, yes. Is that like worse than their normal win-loss? Uh, just bad. About the same, yeah. It's about badass, yeah. but that's what the Patriots and Tom Brady are. Um, Matthew Stafford, 18 primetime games in his career. Anyone want to hazard a guess how many wins in primetime for the Lions and Matt Stafford? He's Two. Got, he's got to be like two. What I else? think he's below the Dalton primetime line. I'll go like four, five and 13. Wes? I'm I'm with uh, Loose Cannon, too. Greg, hit it on the nose. Get to the desert, Greg. 5-13. and 13. Wow. I knew it was going to be bad. It started, off, it started out really bad, 
uh, and they got some wins in in recent years. Because this is one of those stats they they trotted out for a while. I think that's right at the Dalton line for prime time. Yeah. Finally, Monday Night Football. Oh, good job. ESPN got lucky on this one. Uh, oh yeah. Because Steelers at Bucks seemed meh three weeks ago, but then Ryan Fitzpatrick took the NFL by storm in the first two weeks of the season, and he's all of a sudden a hot ticket. And now he's in prime time against a Steelers team that can't stop anybody and can't get a stop on D, really, since Ryan Chazier exited the lineup. But there has been no uh, – they have not been fixed the problem as the new season begins. They are 0-1-1. Antonio Brown, that drama this week, he uh, apparently was not excused for practice. He did speak to the media, said he's just pissed. The, the Patriots suck right now. They're trying to pull it all together. Will they be able to pull it together against Fitzmagic Wes? The Steelers are allowing about 30 points per game since last December when they lost Ryan Shazier. That includes the playoffs. But they're not a good defense. Um, to me, I Googled mo- the record for most targets in a game. Because Antonio Brown, when he pouts, tends to get – well, most NFL receivers, number ones, tend to get heavily targeted. 28 targets Brandon Marshall had in one game. With Jay Cutler? It was it was when he broke the record in 2009 with 21 catches. Um, I think Antonio Brown could flirt with that this week, <laughs> knowing that it's probably going to be a shootout with Ryan Fitzpatrick and his merry band of basketball-playing wide receivers. So you're not buying that this is uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick's last start before Jameis Winston comes in next week? No, nobody's buying that. No. I do think, and we talked about it on the Twitter show, I do think there's a chance that Winston gets the job back sooner than people expect because as exciting as Ryan Fitzpatrick has been, I think it's so easy to forget he's still Ryan Fitzpatrick. We have 13 years of of Who may or may not be better than Jameis Winston. Like I, I believe Jameis Winston is better, has shown more potential, that you drafted him number one for a reason. He's but never done anything close to as good as Fitzpatrick's year with the Jets. Really? You don't No, think- he's been a turnover machine, Jameis Winston has. That that you've year- been grading him on potential for a long time. That he's he does a Let's lot. Let's talk of- about what he really is, not what he could be. Well, he's a backup for now, and unless Fitzpatrick totally blows the next two weeks before the team's week five bye. You know, Fitzpatrick's going to get a little bit of a longer run. But I, I disagree. I mean, Fitzpatrick got – first of all, you know, we don't need to judge that Jet season, but he had more dropped interceptions than anyone in the league. You know, they, they certainly had their ups and downs even that year. I do think if if you want to go win some playoff games and that is the point, I think Jameis Winston gives you a better chance to do that long term. I couldn't yeah. disagree more, and I think that Ryan Fitzpatrick – I've seen Pro Football Focus has graded his first two games yes. highest in their history through two games. Football Outsiders has him behind only 2011 Tom Brady through two games. This guy's legit, and it's in a lot of it. Credit has to go to Todd Monk and their offensive coordinator. Receivers are running wide open. The scheming has them spacing really well right now. The Bucks are getting the Steelers at the right time for a, a few different reasons. But one thing we always talk about: get the Patriots early because once they get hot and Fair enough. That is absolutely true. Steelers are similar. Um, they uh, are 19-14 and one over the first five, uh, last five seasons in their first eight games of the season. 26 and six over their last eight. So they, this is not anything totally new. I know every season is different, but it takes them a while to get cooking, and then they start to surge. So I would not be like blown away if the Bucks win this game. I think no, I wouldn't either. But I do think that the Steelers are too talented to tank the season. I don't think they tank either. Right. Even in the game last week, I mean, it's even in the game last week where they're going up against the Chiefs, 
Ben Roethlisberger did a lot of things that made you think, like, okay, they're going to be – Yeah. I mean, he looked great. They're trying to get James Washington involved. This is an awesome Monday night game to have. Like, all the fantasy games are going to go down to this because there's just going to be so many points being scored, and you could see this being similar to last week where it's 35-31, something like that. I think it's time to pull the plug on Ryan Switzer, who I've never seen make a play in the NFL. Ouchers. Just keeps getting chances. Hey, game pass, by the way, if you want to be like the scientists and – and study these games and then uh, have your own opinions. It's always good. I mean, most opinions should be your own. Absolutely. Game Pass seven-day free trial right now at NFL.com slash Game Pass. Check it out. Again, the Twitter show every Tuesday live at 1.30 Pacific, uh, 4.30 Eastern. Uh, you can watch last week's show, including an excellent star turn by Matt Money Smith uh, 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 at the, uh, the Cold Open. That's a little jargon for you guys. Um, so we'll be back uh, on Sunday night with our flagship program where we recap all the games that we just previewed. So please be there for that. Uh, this is Dan Hansa signing off for, oh, and read Mark Sessler's long form. Awesome great. job. Yes. Uh, uh, about job, his Mark. decades of Browns fandom. Dan Hansa signing off for the mailman, the old boss, and the loose cannon behind the glass. Till Sunday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count.